This week in the Australian travel industry, we've seen the resurrection of a familiar brand, a major acquisition in the corporate travel tech space, and a rare encounter with Webjet CEO, John Gusich. So much to talk about, so let's get into it. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is News on the Fly. So let's start with Qantas holidays. They've been invisible for about a year after disappearing from the market when Hello World announced it had decided not to renew its license for the iconic brand when it expired. Although Hello World shifted to its in-house Viva branding, that clearly wasn't the end for Qantas holidays, which Qantas has now brought in-house. What does this mean for the industry, Bruce? Yeah, this is something that's sort of slipped under the radar, but has clearly been in the works for quite some time. Qantas isn't really commenting on it. I believe the relaunch under the airline's own banner is actually the outcome of about 18 months' work, which interestingly would mean it was well underway long before Hello World Executive Director Chinsia Burns announced it at last year's Hello World Owner Managers Conference. And look, it's quite an interesting platform, dynamic packaging for hotels and flights, very comprehensive, very fast, you know, quick searching, and it's all part of the Qantas loyalty ecosystem. And so that means that those very popular Qantas points can be earned and redeemed. The Hello World license for the Qantas Holidays name, which had been in place, uh, you know, since about 2007 when Qantas Holidays merged with the former Jetset Travel World, that expired in March. So just as the world was imploding due to COVID-19, but clearly the work has continued on the platform and they believe that this week was the right time for it to relaunch. So is Qantas now effectively acting as an online travel agent? Yes, it appears that is exactly what they're doing. The site, which of course is live at qantasholidays.com.au, but it's also under the Holidays tab on the main Qantas website. It allows you to select a destination, enter dates, etc., and then it suggests a range of hotel options. Once you select that, you go to the next stage to pick flights and then payment. It's very slick, domestic only at the moment, of course, and you can also choose a travel style like luxury, family, romance, etc., and it makes suggestions for you. It's definitely easy to book, quite appealing, especially for people with you know lots of Qantas points. And it's very interesting in that it means that one of Hello World's major shareholders, Qantas, is also now a new aggressive competitor. And that's surely got to be causing a bit of angst. I was probably a bit cheeky, but I asked Qantas whether it would now be joining AFTA and ATAS now that it's getting into the travel agency business. But probably unsurprisingly, the answer to that has been radio silence so far. And speaking of online travel agents, this week, the Travel Industry Hub hosted a highly anticipated conversation with Webjet CEO, John Goosage. You chatted to him for about an hour. How did it go? I felt it was pretty brave of John to engage with the industry. Um, Honestly, it's the first time he stuck his head above the parapet for a long time. I think I spoke to him in about 2012, but haven't spoken to him since then. And so I did really appreciate the opportunity to engage. He's a very interesting bloke, very self-assured. He's had a great success with his vision for Webjet and Webbeds in particular. Very confident in the approach he's taken. And that's definitely come through when I asked him about those ads that caused such a lot of controversy for the industry about four years ago in 2016. Anyway, he made it abundantly clear that he has no intention of apologising, but he also pointed out in a pretty good argument that those Webjet ads, which were you know, quite anti-bricks and mortar, were just a response to AFTA's first TV campaign back in 2014, when ATAS was introduced in the wake of the shutdown of the Travel Compensation Fund. 
In fact, during the interview, we got to show that initial after ad, and it was a reminder of where the industry was back then. A couple of women talking about their holidays, one of whom had a great experience via a travel agent, and the other whose husband booked through an OTA, and the kids got gastric, and they got stuck in an awful hotel. John saw that as, well, you know, pretty much comical that you would make that connection and as an affront, but it clearly got under his skin, simmered for a while before he decided to strike back with those now famous Webjet ads. Hmm. And do you think the industry will forgive him? Look, he made it clear he's not actually asking for forgiveness and he's certainly not saying sorry. He does believe it was an appropriate response at the time. But having said that, he noted the ads haven't run since early 2017 and since then they've gone back to their more familiar Webjet brand advertising, still emphasising the convenience and choice offered by an OTA. But it was interesting to chat with him about where he sees the industry. And look, he clearly does understand the value of travel agents. I think the phrase he used was, you know, that we all work together in a collective travel ecosphere. And while Webjet's got its advantages for some consumers, travel agents do provide a whole lot of other stuff, including a curated response specific to an individual customer. And he said that was of tremendous value for some consumers. So, you know, he he understands where we're coming from. Will the industry forgive him? Well, based on some of the comments during the interview, it seems the anger is still running pretty deep. And actually, he suggested, I'm not sure, sure how serious he was, that the response from the industry back in 2016 was the reason he doesn't have any social media profile anymore. Um, you know, he's closed all of his accounts because of the nasty comments that came forward then. I think the interview will have hopefully enabled him to put his side of things. And for some in the industry, that'll help them to move forward. But the wounds are still definitely raw uh, four years later. And what about joining AFTER? Did he explain Webjet's change of heart? Yeah, he did. Basically, Webjet's always run its own race and not been too interested in engaging with the wider industry. But joining AFTER this year and going onto the board was a recognition of the crisis that everyone's in. You know, he made it clear he's not concerned at all about Webjet's survival. They've got plenty of cash. Um, They did some very successful capital raising in the early days of the pandemic. And so they've got an aggressive plan to come through. But he said with issues like the ACCC, borders, chargebacks, and everything else that everyone is facing, it is important to have a unified voice to ensure that the whole industry survives. And he's definitely not arrogant enough to think that that would be a Webjet monopoly or supplier direct alone. But intermediaries like travel agents also need to be part of the system. And by the way, he did conduct the interview all the way from Tunisia, believe it or not, where he and his wife are living and his wife is a travel agent. So how about that? And another huge story that broke yesterday was the acquisition of Tramada by corporate travel management. This came as a huge shock to many in the TMC space. What does it mean for the industry? Yeah, this was a real surprise to me and another very canny deal, I believe, by corporate travel management, which also earlier this month announced a much bigger acquisition in the USA, uh, Nebraska-based Travel and Transport, which also owns uh, Radius Travel. Like the vast majority of TMCs in the local market, CTM's had a long association with, with Tramada as one of its key technology partners. But Tramada's back office system is also used by pretty much everyone else too. So this deal means that corporate travel management is effectively going to become a key supplier to almost all of its local competitors. CTM's local chief, Greg McCarthy, assured me that it's business as usual. Tramada will continue to run as a separate operation and you know service and develop its product, looking after all of its existing clients. But I'm sure there is some uneasiness about the deal among the wider industry. Um, you know, you look at the Tramada website, customers include Corporate Traveller from Flight Centre, Travel Edge from Hello World, Express Travel Group, lots of CT partners, members, Hello World for Business. And I'm betting all of those customers were all pretty much blindsided by the announcement. 
I also thought it was interesting that CTM didn't announce the deal to buy Tramada on the ASX. They usually take any opportunity they can to make an announcement, but Greg told me they didn't consider it to be a material transaction, which I guess gives a bit of an idea as to how much they paid. But I would have thought it would be worth announcing, but perhaps they're also concerned about any controversy and perhaps could I suggest keeping under the radar of any competition concerns. Travel Daily's sister consumer publication, Travel and Cruise Weekly, publishes a weekly e-magazine called Keep Dreaming to keep your clients inspired. The next edition of Keep Dreaming comes out on Monday and is a special tropical issue to lift everyone's spirits out of the coronavirus gloom. Promotional opportunities are also available, with the fast-growing Keep Dreaming audience of travel agent clientele likely to be the first to start travelling once borders come down. Inquire via advertising at travelandcruiseweekly.com.au or call us on 1300 799 for more information. And as with every week, there's been tons of cruise updates over the last few days with some of the biggest news from P&O. What are they up to? Yeah, just as I was doing a back-of-the-envelope calculation in last week's podcast on how many ships we would be likely to see cruising locally if cruise does get going, P&O made them all wonkitated because they announced that their two new ships, Pacific Encounter and Pacific Adventure, would be joining the fleet sooner than expected. They're both coming from Princess Cruises, the former Star Princess and Golden Princess. So I guess it's basically an internal transfer within Carnival Corporation. But, you know, there's a refit, there's rebranding, a lot of work to do. It is huge news for P&O, which um, until this announcement only had Pacific Explorer left after offloading Aria and Dawn. So when will the new P&O ships start cruising? Well, as with anything to do with a cruise resumption, it's anyone's guess at the moment. But they are currently scheduled, the new ships, to start in April and May next year, possibly earlier. It is big news, and it's quite significant as a vote of confidence in the recovery of the local market. P&O also announced a pretty big push for um, 2021 bookings to sort of build confidence among consumers, an extremely generous refund and cancellation policy, and also bonus commission for travel agents, 5% extra, which mind you sounds great, but on a fairly inexpensive cruise doesn't actually amount to a lot of cash. But they are really on the front foot and clearly there is massive demand for cruise. Hopefully this will give people a reason to book. They can cancel up to 75 days before departure, get a full refund with no cancellation fees. So that additional flexibility might get clients over the line. Unfortunately, on the wider cruise front, there's still no certainty. And even in the USA, where they seem to be making progress, the Centers for Disease Control this week issued an advisory saying Americans should defer all cruise travel just a few days before the no-sale order expires. I did think maybe uh, President Trump might push for a safe resumption in the lead-up to next week's presidential election, given that Florida is a key state for him. But it seems cruise may still be on the nose for a while. And finally, Hello World released a market update yesterday, and there was one cruise bright spot amid all the gloom. What was that all about? Yeah, look, predictably, Hello World's ASX release was pretty bleak, talking about the company's performance during the September quarter. But interestingly, year on year, for September, they had a massive amount of cruise sales last month, more than double the amount for September 2019. 
A lot of it was about the Princess World Cruise in 2022, um, which got announced early that month, around the world itinerary from Sydney, which by all accounts has gone really well right across all of the wholesalers and resellers. I think Cruise Co. also had a really excellent uptake. Anyway, Hello World, you know, they, they reckon they sold more than $32 million worth of cruise in September. And that does point out that amid all of this COVID disruption, the demand definitely indicates a huge pent-up desire to cruise, to travel and to travel internationally. Let's hope that all comes true. Absolutely. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Keep up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and from Cruise Weekly. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating. We really appreciate all your support. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.